Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. God starts by telling Jonah something that he would tell us if we were listening today is to get up. So, Because you can't go anywhere until you get up. You had to get up to come to church today. If you go to work or school tomorrow, you're going to have to get up to do that. If you're ever going to be used by God to do anything, you are going to have to get up and get moving. Somebody say get up. So God tells Jonah, get up, and then he says, go to Nineveh. Now, I told you, Jonah's done this before. Jonah's heard God tell him to get up and go to different places. Jonah's not a coward. Jonah's a full-fledged prophet of God. He's not fearing man. Uh, Second Kings refers to him as the prophet who ministered in the days of Jeroboam. This, this was a rough and rocky time in the world. He was prophesying the same time Elisha was prophesying. But there was a difference in this that made Jonah not want to do what God was telling him to do. He had gone to different places before. He had prophesied to different people before. He had looked at the face of the adversary before and told the truth, but there was a difference here when God said to go to Nineveh. Listen, Jonah wasn't having it. You're like, wow, how could Jonah dare say no to God? Hey, how do we say no to God? People, people look down on Judas Iscariot, and they're like, Judas was the betrayer. Judas was the deceiver. Judas was a thief. Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. All that's true, but you didn't even get any money for it. We've all done things that we're ashamed of. We've all done things that we shouldn't have done, and we didn't even get 30 pieces of silver for it. Well, here comes Jonah. He's followed God before, but at this point, Jonah is at a I ain't having it point. And I want to tell you something. Every real Christian is going to have times in their life when God says get up and do something, and you get up and do it. But if you live long enough, you're going to live into a place where God tells you to get up and do something, and you just in your mind, in your spirit, or in your subconscious, you're going to have a I ain't having it spirit, and you're not going to do it. God told a lot of people to get up and go to church this morning. Obviously, some of them didn't. God has told his church to bring the tithe on the first day of the week. Obviously, people ain't doing that because most churches are broke. You say, well, that's why I like big ministries. Big ministries are the brokerist. Men with microphone get to make up words. They beg for 29 minutes of a 30-minute radio show, beg for 29 minutes of a 30-minute TV show, begging to get more money so they can stay on air to beg for more money. They got to realize that God is still calling. Some are saying yes, and some are saying no. Well, what was the problem with Jonah this time? Why not Nineveh? Let me tell you why, because he hated Nineveh. You say, oh, no, Pastor Scott, he couldn't hate Nineveh. He's the mighty prophet of God. Folk hate. Oh, I love everybody. No, you, you don't only have a problem with hate. You have a problem with lying. Well, I don't hate anybody. Well, if you pass two, you do. You're like, I don't believe that Christians can hate. Oh, no, Jonah had a hatred. Jonah had such a hatred for Nineveh that he decided willfully, I'm not doing what God told me to do. See, here's what God knows. I told y'all last week, or Wednesday night in Bible study, I told y'all that the enemy knows your hot buttons. He knows how to trigger you. He knows how to get on your nerves. He knows how to get you out of your Holy Ghost and get you into your flesh. Well, not only does the enemy know you, but God knows you too. See, if God tells you to serve him in food and clothing ministry, and you love that, and you just, you're, you're, you're a helpful person, and you love seeing God do stuff, use you, uh, then, then, then you're willing to do that. But if God tells you to do something outside your comfort zone, that's when people squeeze on the brakes. And God often is going to ask you to do something outside your comfort zone, and God, because not only does the devil know your hot button, God knows your hot button too. God knows what you're good at, and he knows what you're bad at. 
He knows what you're down with and what you're against. And Jonah was a racist. This, one, this is one of the most clear-cut racial problems in the Bible. My kids are always on me like, Dad, people our age don't even see race. I'm like, son, you're just not old enough to understand yet. Everybody sees race. I have people come to Abundant Life, and because we're a mixed congregation, I, I, I've never heard a black person tell me this. Okay, so this must be a white disease. <laughs> or maybe they just ain't been comfortable telling me this. But I have people constantly, not constantly, but often, well, Pastor Scott, I don't even see color. To which I always recommend them a doctor visit. <laughs> Colorblind ain't no way to go through the world. And anybody that tells you, especially if they're white, you have a white person tell you that they don't even see color, you know, for, they, they may as well have said, I've got five black friends. You know they're racist all the way down to their stomach. <laughs> Am I right? Y'all not listening. Jonah was a racist. He had a heart problem. He was mad. He was bitter. He was holding a grudge. See, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrians were notorious for their hatred of Israel. They were notorious gangsters. These were the gangstinous gangsters. These were OG, old Bible, for OG. These were, they were the beginning of gangsterism. This was, this was the mob before Italy had people living in it. These people, that's funny. These people were known for making up new ways to torture people. They had the largest city going in this time. They had the money. They were in power. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And the Assyrians, man, I'll give you a couple of things they would do. They would take farming instruments and turn them into instruments of battle, and they would bury people in the sand up to their neck and run over their heads with oxen, which had threshing instruments on it, like a plow to grind their head up. Uh, I don't know. People talk about what the worst way to die. I don't know what the worst way to die is, but I ain't for that. Or if they didn't have threshing instruments around them, they would bury them up to their heads and nail a hard strip of leather into their tongue so they couldn't swallow, and they, that way they'd choke to death in the desert sun faster. But what would happen is it took so long, most people were, it went crazy in the process. They were so notorious, not for killing everybody. They, they studied Old Testament. It's just a matter of this tribe washing out that tribe, this other tribe coming over here. And, and they, they, you know, they all did the same thing. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't excuse America for what they did uh, in, a, in a horrific uh, sin of slavery. Uh, they, they've been making slaves since the beginning, though. A tribe would come over, and they, they all do the same thing. They all just brutally kill the men who've done nothing wrong, and then they rape and torture the women and the children. Okay, this is what Assyria was doing, but everybody was doing that. Assyria would take it to a whole different level, so much so that when the Assyrians would be coming into a city, as soon as people found out Assyria's coming to take over our town, mass suicide. The first and only call in the Bible of cities creating mass suicide because they did not want to die. I mean, Dr. Kevorkian was making money in cities. Y'all don't know about Dr. Kevorkian. You can Google him later. Don't do it now. But Assyria was mean. Say mean. It, it, they, they didn't like Israel. They'd been at battle with Israel. They, they were at war. Uh, history tells us Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. It's the city that a lot of movies depict these big giant walls around the city, you know, with the Roman soldiers on top of them, riding horses. The, uh, the wall around Assyria was over 100 feet high and over 40 feet wide. Big, wide as 103rd Street. You could ride two chariots down and have room on both sides. They had money, they had power, and they were abusive. Sounds like people I know today. I mean, they've been saying for the longest, and, and it's, it remains true, that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. They were large and in charge, and they were mean, and they were hateful. And tradition tells us, we're not sure, but early historians tell us that uh, some of Jonah's people had been tortured and killed by the hand of the Assyrians. Okay, so we already know the Assyrians are bad, but now let's get to Jonah. Jonah, not because what's been done to him, but because what's been done to his people, hate a group of folk. 
Mm. It got quiet. It got quiet. It got quiet. I'm going to take a drink of water so y'all just steep in that. He hated them. He, and in his mind, he had good reason to. I want to tell you something. When the devil gives you a good reason to hate somebody, especially if it's a whole group of people, you need to reject that. And you, you need to understand, God, I, I've had people ask me, how can you love so-and-so after what they've done to you? And my answer remains the same. I realize that God loves me in spite of what I cost his son on the cross. And, and I know I, if God can love me and forgive me, I can love anybody and forgive anybody. Can you agree with that uh, this morning? Jonah, he's got, he's got race issues. He's got real beef. This ain't fake beef. This is real beef. These people did something to his people. He lost people he loved at the hands of these wicked people. And now God is telling him, go to those people that I know you don't like. Go to those people, a pagan city, a people that hate God. See, Jonah was used to preaching to Israelites. Jonah was used to prophesying to people who knew who God was. He prophesied to everybody, but he wasn't down with this one group of people called the Assyrians in their capital city of Nineveh. And the reason he didn't want, didn't want to go is because he understood God. He knew that when God said, go prophesy to them that my judgment is coming, they might repent and not get wiped out. See, I, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think in your mind this morning. Have you ever been so mad at somebody that you wanted them to die and go to hell? Have you ever been so grudged up against somebody that you thought they're going to get what they deserve and fire a hell? We had a lady, there's a lady in Jacksonville whose daughter was abducted, horribly treated, murdered. The man just got sentenced last week uh, to death. And the woman who has, has come to this church before said on microphone, I, if I could say one thing to him, I would say burn in hell forever. Now, I don't know, man. I come from a long line of feuding people. I already told y'all. My, 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 my family's from Louisiana, and they all poor, all broke, all cotton farmers or cotton farming helpers, and uh, but those kind of people know how to feud. My, my mom, family on my mama's side, they laugh at the Hatfields and McCoys. They call the Hatfields and McCoys sissy fighters because the Hatfields and McCoy, 100 years after feud was over, their, their descendants got together and signed a peace treaty. And my mom was like, we would have never done that. <laughs> I know, Mom, you're stubborn, you're mean, you're hard-headed. But they, they, the people, there are a lot of people in life that some people can let it go easy. And other people hold on to it. And sometimes, maybe you just hadn't been hurt hard enough to even know what that feels like. How many of y'all believe that you can be saved and still be grudged up against an entire race of people? Get so quiet when I tell truth. So here he is. He's in this spot. He loves God. He's been used by God. He, he wants to be the man of God, but God is telling him to do something difficult. I want to encourage you today, no matter how difficult the journey seems, do it anyhow. God's plan is always better than our plan. Jonah didn't want to preach to him because he didn't want to see him get saved. He knew how God was. He knew that if he preached Judgment was coming that anybody who repented would be spared, and he did not want to see any of these people spared at all. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I read the whole book. Listen to what chapter 4 says, the last chapter in Jonah. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Now, the words in the Bible are specific. We know that. He didn't become angry. He became what? Very, he's 38 hot. He is mad. He is, he is very angry. Verse 2, so he complained to the Lord about it. Well, I got news for you. Complaining to the Lord is a waste of time. That's like complaining to your mother or father when they're right and you're wrong. If you know it's your task to take the trash out on Sunday night and you don't do it, all excuses are null and void. All arguing about it is out the window. 
you, you know what's right and what's wrong, and you don't have a leg to stand on. Now, how many people believe you got a leg to stand on in an argument with God? No. But he finds himself complaining to the Lord. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate, God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Now, see, this, this, people say, all the time people say, oh, Pastor Scott, I'm just glad we're in the New Testament because God's about grace and mercy in the New Testament. He's about wrath and judgment in the Old Testament. Let me tell you something. God is about grace and mercy in the New Testament. He was about grace and mercy in the Old Testament. God is about wrath and judgment in the Old Testament, but he's still about wrath and judgment. God never changes. And look, here, the Old Testament, and a lot of people don't get this visual of God during Old Testament times, but Jonah knew. He said, that's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew what you were up to. I knew you were what? Merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Too many people have the wrong visual of God in their mind. Too many people see God as some angry old dude sitting on a throne waiting to zap us with lightning bolts every time we turn around. And that's not true. I told you before, if God wanted to zap us, we'd be zapped. God is merciful. He's compassionate. He's slow. God wants us to repent so he can show how compassionate he really is. But see, Jonah knew that, and Jonah said, well, I didn't want to go in the first place. I want to give them people a chance to repent because I knew that's your game. I knew that's what you're up to. I know you're trying to let sinners apologize and you let them go for free. So we that are saved, we're thankful for the mercy, the compassion, the grace, the, 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 the love of God, an unfailing love of God, the, the God who forgives us when we sin. But I want to tell you something. Don't Be careful now. Be careful that you don't find yourself in a position where you want forgiveness for you, but not for somebody else. You want God to forgive you and those like you, but not for somebody else. You want God to look beyond your issue, but you can't look behind other people's issue. One of the, one of the strongest gut punches from a preacher I ever took, I was traveling with, with Bishop. We were out in Dallas, and we were talking, and we were meeting different people. And I, mean, I, was, I was young and hard as a hammer, religious um, dogmatic, and I kept saying, well, I know that dude ain't saved. You know, we, we meet these different preachers, and one, one came to lunch half drunk, uh, smelled, smelled, smelled like he just came out of the strip joint. If you know what the strip joint smells like, shame on you, but you know the smell, and he just, <laughs> so I said, oh, you know that dude ain't saved. And after I'd said that about four different people, we're riding down the road. He said, you keep saying all these people you know they ain't saved. I said, well, look how they're living. There's no way they can be saved. And he looked at me and he said, well, how do you look at them and say that they can't be saved based on what they've done, but you believe you could be saved based on what you've done? Wow. So everybody else is the devil and don't love God as good as you do, but... You're still in your process. If you ever get to the place in your mind where you realize I, everybody's got their own struggle, I'm going to concentrate on me and my God and, I, and let God work on me, and I'm going to leave. I heard a message one time, great, leave me alone and maybe God will fix me. Well, that's a good word for the church. That's a good word for judgmental, critical people. We need to learn how to let God be God not only in our life but in other people's lives too. Jonah knew what God's plan is. He knew that if he preached, somebody might get saved, and he didn't want any of them getting saved. He knew if he preached, they might repent, and God wouldn't bring judgment on them. See, here's what Jonah wanted. He wanted to serve God as long as it fit his idea of what was right and wrong. He wanted to serve God as long as it fit his idea of what was right and wrong. And we've seen that battle in our nation from the beginning of our nation. We've seen that battle. You see, Jesus said when it comes to paying taxes, to pay the taxes you owe. You remember, he saw the face on, he said, who faces on the coin? Caesar, then give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Okay, well, America's all about independence and rebellion. So America comes over here, and they're like, we ain't even living in England no more. Bump new taxes. They came over here on English ships. 
They came over here wearing English garb. They came over here with English weapons. They came over here uh, with English money, and then they decided, we ain't paying taxes. Okay, so then they, you start deciding what, what's right for you is different than what God says is what's right for you. And then they decided, all oh, this work is too hard, and we can't do it, so let's go steal a bunch of people to do the work for us. Well, God never said that. Okay, now see, and some people tell you, and I'll fast forward up to today, save you all a lot of this history. So there, there are young people now, it's, it's especially targeting, listen, if you value yourself as an African-American man, if you, if you believe you're a young black man or even an old black man, you are at risk right now from an attack on people who may look like you on the outside, but on the inside they got a different message. Because there's a message pervasive in, 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 in that group of people that, that is saying, you shouldn't be in that white devil religion. You, you, you need to be woke. You, you need to get woke and come out from that white man's lie. And, see, it's not the white man's lie that Christianity is the real religion. Christianity is the only real religion. But the white man lied when he said Jesus was white, had blonde hair, blue eyes, and was skinny hanging on a tree. He couldn't have been white. He couldn't have been fair-skinned. He couldn't have been blonde-headed because nobody looks like that in the Middle East. Okay? But people are trying to pull everybody away from the one and true God. See, so... These people came over here, founded America in the name of God when they stole it from the Indians and enslaved a whole group of people to come over and do the work for them. How is that? God. But there are people who don't know the Bible that are trying to tell young African-American men that Christianity is a lie and you don't need to be involved with that because Christianity promotes slavery. Christianity does not promote slavery. Christianity, the Bible records that there have been slaves. That's a whole different thing. Have you ever picked your nose? You probably don't promote your children nose picking in the middle of church. I could take it deeper. Have you ever ate a booger? Just because things have happened don't mean somebody's promoting it. But people try to take what God's plan is and adjust it to what they want it to be. So white people lied and, and tried to make, make themselves be able to sleep at night by saying that we were helping the Indians by driving them 2,000 miles away from their home. I don't know how they put that two and two together, but that's what they did. Then they tried to put two and two together to try to make an excuse for slavery. Jim Crow laws, segregation. I don't know how they put that two together and, and made four out of that. But now we've got... African-Americans being told to get woke and leave Jesus because Jesus is a religion for white people. Jesus is not a religion for white people. Everything America knows about Jesus flowed through St. Augustine, who was a black man from Africa. So if you really know history, if you really know religious history, you will say that Christianity, even in America, is more attached to Augustine than the white preacher on TV. Let me keep going because I know my, my kids get tired of this story. You're tired of it too. This is where Jonah's at though. He's trying to justify his hatred for an entire race of people because some of those people came and killed some of his people. And you may find yourself in a position that way. I, I, I know, we, I, I told y'all, I see white, I thank God for white visitors in the church. Y'all invite some. We're trying to stay multicultural. Um, <laughs> and, and, and some of y'all was that, 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 that white woman who first came and, and took that person and went, you ain't never been robbed by nobody. You ain't that hard. Well, uh, I heard black people are right. There ain't nobody stealing your purse in church. Go down on Avenue B. Don't carry a purse. I'm not trying to help somebody. Racial twist is in his mind. And that twist is still alive today. And it's alive on every side. It's alive on every side, and it's alive even in people who say it ain't alive in them. It's alive even in people who do the work for the Lord. 
it's alive even in people who really want to be what God wants them to be. See, you gotta you gotta identify the problem before you can solve the problem. You you gotta admit, oh, I love it. That dude Will Rogers, oh folksy country dude, known for a lot of sayings. They got look up quotes from this dude. They got a million of them. One of his quotes is, I never met a man I didn't like. I'm thinking, man, where were you living? I mean, you it ain't hard to meet people you don't like. I mean, it's getting harder to meet people you can like. Anybody see, see what I'm saying? But, but you know, that Jonah wasn't possessed with that. Jonah had a whole group of people he didn't like. Look what he said in verse 3. He said, if it's going to be like this, kill me now. Just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. If you ain't going to judge these people and wipe them out for their racial cruelty to the Israelites, then just kill me now. I'm done. Now, hopefully you don't ever say that to God. I mean, you know, what did Jesus say? I mean, you should be scared of the one who can not only kill you in the natural, but kill you in the spiritual too, not only take your body, but your soul and your spirit. Jonah is feeling himself right here, and he said, man, I'd rather be dead than see them people become my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'd rather be dead than have the same religion as, as them Assyrian people, them Ninevites living in the city named after Nimrod. You know, I ain't down with that. He wanted to serve God as long as it fit his plan. See, he had a mindset, I'll serve you in my own way. I, I'll follow some of the rules that make sense to me. But when push comes to shove, I'm doing the pushing and the shoving. You say, wow, he was arrogant. Wow, that's so bold. We do it all the time. Everybody in this room is serving God to, to the degree where it meets your idea. Everybody in this room is serving to God to the level that you're comfortable with. Some people have come to a maturity in their discipleship process to where they've learned how to serve God past their comfort zone, but that takes a lot. Some people have, have been a disciple for so long, and the root word of disciple is what? Discipline. Some Christians are so disciplined that they've learned to Go God's way even when they wanted to go another way, but it takes time to get there. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know if you've learned how to, if you've, if you've been disciplined long enough to say, I'll, I'll do what God says even when I hate it. I'll do what God says even when it doesn't make any sense to me. I'll do what God says even when it goes against everything I believe in deep down in my belly. I will choose not my will but his will to be done. We quote stuff like that and we don't believe it. I mean, that's shown up by, you know, average, average person's lifestyle. So in many ways, we're very similar to Jonah, and God hasn't changed. When God told him to do something that made him uncomfortable, he ran. He ran. Put, put, put uh, verse 3 of Jonah 1 back on the screen for me. He said, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And what's funny, if you look on a map, Nineveh is east. And Tarshish is a beeline west. Tarshish was uh, the, the, the capital city, the large city. The, he, he was going to a place as far away. They said it was the end of the world. It was over underneath Spain. If you look from where on a map where the Middle East is, and then you come across, well, in your way, come across this way to Spain, they thought that the, the, everything fell off at the end. So here, here's the point. He would rather go to the extreme end of the earth than do something God told him to do that he wasn't comfortable with. Now, when I ask you this morning, I want you to think silently. Don't answer out loud. But how far are you really willing to run away from God? How far are you really willing to say, I'll do some stuff, but I'm not doing all that stuff. And I, I want to get some truth in everybody this morning because the, the trap of the devil would have you to be critical of other believers to try to make yourself look good. That's, that's, that's the whole crab pot mentality, trying to pull other people down to make you look good. You're still in the pot. Nobody's helped. Dragging somebody else down don't lift you up. You, you, want, you want to say, well, I may, may, maybe I'm not everything God wants me to be, but I sure am a better Christian than so-and-so. God never called you to be as good a Christian as so-and-so. And let me push it one step further. The Bible says that if you've broken one, you're guilty of breaking everything. So you'd be like, well, at least I don't still smoke and drink. But you still gossip. 
It's, it's like I told y'all. The army prepared me so well for Christianity. You don't get no 75, no 80, ain't no 90%, ain't no pass. It's pass fail. It's go or no go. Are you perfect? No. Are the people you're condemning perfect? No. Are you better than anybody else? Maybe in your mind, but not on God's standard. We all need Christ. Can we agree on that? We're all in our process. So here's what I'm telling you. Let people be in their process. Let God deal with them. Or bring them to church and let God speak through the five-fold ministry to put a hard finger on a soft spot. That's when people leave the church. That's when people quit abundant life. People come into abundant life. You heard me say it before. People come into abundant life and they're like, oh, man, I just love the realness. They ain't politically correct. He don't care. He'll say anything. I just love the raw in your face. And because what that is, when you've been out there starving to death, when you've been out there in a dry desert, it's like a cup of cold water in a weary land. But when you stick around long enough and I put a hard finger on your soft spot, who he think he is? So now that same cup of water ain't like a ain't like a good cool drink. It's like water slashing in your face. Well, I just think we need to pray about moving. <laughs> you need to pray about it. Just move and get right with God. He told Jonah to do something uncomfortable. Jonah says, "I ain't doing it. I am running." Jonah, in his mind, had got to the point where I hope you never get. He got to the point in his mind where he really believed, I've come as far with God as I can because there's just some things I ain't going to do. And many people are in that spot still. You give God a certain amount, but you won't give him all of it. You give God lordship over parts of your life, but not over all of your life. And this is where Jonah's at, but we need to realize you can run, but you can't hide. Jonah takes off running. He, 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 he takes off going. It says Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. To get away from the Lord. So he's running. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. All right. So not only is he running, but he's found a boat to take him. He bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape the Lord, escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I don't know. What your Tarshish is, I don't know what your Nineveh is. I don't know which Assyrians you hate. I don't know what it is you've come through, what you're willing to go through before you step off. But I see where Jonah is. Jonah is at this place where he's like, I'm getting out of here. And I'm getting out of here quick. I need, I need, a, I need a first-class ticket to as far away from God as I can get. Listen, it's not by coincidence that there was a boat willing to take Jonah away from the Lord. It's not by coincidence that this man who had been broke his whole life had enough money to buy a ticket to the other side of the world. See, the reality is, if you want to get up and get, God will tell you the same thing I let my children know. You want to go, go. It's going to be some consequences. It's going to change. It's going to be different. So Jonah jumps on the boat, and he ran. But if you, if, as we read the rest of the story, you're going to find out God Cannot be run from. Because wherever you run, he'll be there. So you can run, but you can't hide. Look at verse 4. See, whatever you use to get away from God, God's going to tear it up. Look what the Bible says in verse 4. But the Lord heard a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Now, this is where everybody, all the TBN faithful, turn, turn the channel because they don't want to believe that God sends winds of destruction. Well, that's the devil. The devil, the devil sent, sent the storm to tear us. No, when, when you're acting wrong, God will do anything to get your attention. This is, this, this is replete throughout the Bible. God sends this wind to tear stuff up, to break the ship apart. Verse 5 says, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. All right, so here's what's happening. Jonah thinks I got my first-class cruise ticket. It's going to take me a little Mediterranean cruise and get away from God and the people of God and all this not wanting to do what God wants me to do. He's down in his muck. He's sleeping. God sends this storm. It's threatening to tear up the ship. They start throwing off cargo. Why are they throwing off 
cargo because the boat needs to rise, not sink. The waves are crashing over, filling the boat up. They lighten the boat. The boat gets up higher than the waves. They're thinking they're going to outsmart God. Listen, the crowd you run to always going to have a way to outsmart your God. They got their own gods. You see, you see what it says? They shouted to their gods, little g gods, because in that culture, the people were uh, polytheistic. They believed in many gods, and so they're just crying out to any god. Oh, God of the stars, help us. God of the moon, help us. God of the sea. They, they're crying out to whoever they can cry out for help. But Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. And this is what you need to be careful of. Too many times. When God tells his children to do something that's uncomfortable and they don't want to do it, they just disconnect. They turn off reception and they go to sleep. They stop hearing. They stop paying attention. They just disconnect. There are so many people right now that used to be in church that are now disconnected. So many people right now that used to serve God but are now disconnected. Used to teach, preach, pastor, lead, deep, seat, ush, all that stuff. But now they're, they're just asleep on life. They're asleep spiritually on life. And this is where Jonah is. And in verse 6, the captain went down after him and said, How can you sleep at a time like this? Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Now, the captain doesn't know about Jonah. He doesn't know who Jonah is. He doesn't know who Jonah's God is. But he's wanting any, he, he's like the dude on, on the bathroom floor, hugging the bowl, crying out, Oh, Lord, help me. He's like Rippy, Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. Uh, when, when he thought he was on fire. Uh, Jesus, help me. Buddha, help me. Oprah, help, Tom Cruise, God, help me. He's calling out to anybody. Some of y'all ain't never prayed to that porcelain God. You cry out for anything. He's crying out. He said, man, get up. Call on somebody. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll pay attention to us and spare our lives. So they're in a mess. Verse 7 says, then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. Now, this is a weird custom, but it was a custom that God used. It was prevalent in the people, but it was also a custom that at times God would use. See, this is why Yahtzee is the most biblical game. Because Yahtzee is casting, well, maybe craps, but that's what casting lots is. They would put... They didn't have dice, much less loaded dice. Don't, don't lose your money. They, they would take rocks, and they would identify, okay, this one's mine. And you put yours in. We put it in a cup. We shake the cup up, throw it. Whichever one came out first, depending on what game we were playing, if we were, if we were playing on the good side, whoever came out first was on the good side. If we were playing on the bad side, whoever came out first was on the bad side. And that's what casting lots is. So they, none of their gods are listening to them. So they're like, oh, here's what we got to do. We're going to have to cast lots, and we're going to have to figure that out. We're going to roll some dice. We're going to find out who it lands on. And when they did this, Jonah's rock came out. Jonah, they, man, they drew straws. Jonah got the short stick, and they knew it's this dude. Jonah is the culprit. Verse 8 says, why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They're like, man, you better tell us something. I mean, the, the, the God that showed us that you were the guilty one. If we all going to die because of you. Who are you? What a bad mess to be in. One of my original mentors taught me more about the Bible than, than almost anybody. Got so deep backslid. He was living with his girlfriend. And hadn't been to church in years. And... <laughs> His girlfriend asked him, lay in bed together, side by side, naked. She said, man, I'm so burdened. This, this new dude at work driving me crazy. He's like, you know, they're having chit-chat. He's trying to talk to her. They just got busy, and he's trying to go to sleep, but he figured if she's going to talk, he's going to talk. And so she, she tells him about this new guy at work. And he keeps talking to her about being born again, born again, born again. He's like, I don't even know but I don't even know what that means, but he's just harassing me every day, telling me I need to get born again. And he's telling me about Jesus and the Bible, and, and, and none of it makes sense to me. What do you think about it? Now, this is a dude that's preached all over the world. 
So, butt naked, in a bed, laying next to a woman he ain't married to, she runs the same speech on him. Pretty much that they ran on Jonah. Because you don't expect a good godly Christian man to be who you're talking to at, the point, at that point. He told me he shared the truth with her about who Jesus was. They got out of bed. She got down on her knees, prayed to receive Christ, and put him out. <laughs> True story. Next day, she went back, told the dude who had been bothering her, my boyfriend showed me blah, 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 and I prayed to receive Christ. He said, your boy, you need to put him out. She went home and said, you got to go. What a bad position to be in for my buddy there, and what a bad position to be in for Jonah. Who are you? Who Everything he was was about God. His identity was centered on God. He was, in, 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 in white churches, he was the preacher. In black churches, he was the man of God. Manned with a D. Man of God. And, I mean, that's all his identity was wrapped up in being the man of God. Now, how are you going to say, they ask you, who are you? What kind of work do you do? Where are you from? What's your nationality? What God are you praying to? I am the man of God. And I'm running from God. This is not good days for Jonah. Verse 9, Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, comma, ouch. I always tell you, Paul's on a punctuation. He said, I am a Hebrew, comma. You got to take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can digest it. He says, I'm a Hebrew. Well, the thing that set the Hebrews apart from every other nationality alive on the planet at that time is they were the only monotheistic people. They only believed in one God. All these people believed in lots of gods. So when he told them he was a Hebrew, they knew, well, you only got one God. You better be praying to him. He said, and I worship the Lord, comma. Now, comma is to give the reader cause for pause, to think about what was just said. But I think Jonah had to swallow or take a drink after he said that. When he had to out himself, I'm a Hebrew. Because they were the ones that could tell everybody, we got the only real God, all the rest of y'all fake. I worship the Lord. And I know what they're thinking. If they've been in church twice, they're thinking, you worship the Lord. You're on this shit with us. You were just getting drunk. That's why you're down there passed out. You worship the Lord. You don't worship anything. He says, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Oh, well, now they're like, oh, your God's the God of the sea? We've been praying to the God of the mountains. We're out here in the sea. That's your fault. Verse 10, the sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. And listen to what they said. Why did you do it, they groaned. Oh, why? This lost people, they don't believe in Jehovah. But they got enough common sense to know you say your God is the God over everything and you run. Why would you do that? We need to ask ourselves the same question. When we're not doing and going and being all that God's called us to do, go and be. Verse 11 says, and since the storm was getting worse, they asked him, what should we do to stop? They're like, oh, you're the man of God. You're the expert. What are we going to do? Man, talk to him. You worship him. Talk to him. Get this off us. How are we going to stop this storm? Verse 12. <laughs> Listen to Jonah. Jonah said, toss me. He said, throw me into the sea, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Okay, so now sanity's kicking in, but it don't really look sane. See, sanity in a believer will almost always look like insanity to the heathen. Sanity for the believer will almost always rub the unbeliever wrong. Because you know, these people were being good to this dude. They're partying with him. They, they, they had no beef with him. They, they didn't say, you know, uh, you, you're the one to blame. Let's throw you over there and cast lots. They knew it was him. But they're like, okay, what do we do? How are we, we going to beat this? How are we going to ride this out? They're trying to ride out with him. He's like, y'all going to have to throw me over. Because this is, what did he say? All my fault. See, I'm going to save you some time and me some time. Next time 
Your world is upside down, tossed to and fro, and you're drowning in a, in a, in a storm of destruction. You don't need to schedule an appointment with me. Ask me, Pascal, I just don't know why. I just don't know why my world is falling apart. I try. You know why? Because it's all your fault. See, we don't like to believe that. We want to put that off on, no, it ain't me, it's her, it's him. It's my husband, no, that's my wife. It's these children, it's these parents, it's these fools I work with, it's, it's these racist white people, it's these militant black people, it's these redneck KKK, it's this BLM. It's, it's, it's always somebody else, but never. See, if you want to answer for other people that don't apply to you, then maybe it makes sense to blame it on other people. But if you want an answer that applies to you, you're going to have to get in the game. He knew, he knew that this storm was coming as a result of him. And he knew the Lord brought it. See, he had good theology. He didn't have TV theology. He didn't say, oh, the devil's trying to do this to us because I'm, I'm a great Christian and the devil's trying to thwart my des destiny. No, he knew that he had done wrong and God was bringing this at his fault. Verse 13, the sailors weren't having it. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. See, not even that he tried to get them to help, but once you run from the Lord and you get in with a crowd, they might get in with you. Once you run from the Lord and you hook up with other people, they might try to hold on to you. He's run from the Lord. He's going to the extreme other direction. He's in with a bunch of people that don't even know God, and, and he already told them it's my fault. But, you know, they're like, hey, we're, we're in this thing together. Let's all row hard. Let's just try to ride it out, man. When the world starts giving you their idea of how you're going to get out of your mess, you ought to just jump. He had to save himself some time, just dive in. Just get away from these. They don't have the answer. They thought they had the answer. These are experienced sailors. The sailors rode. It doesn't say the accountants rode. It doesn't say the preachers rode. These were sailors. They knew how to how to navigate water they rode him harder to get the ship to land but the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it i got word for every unsaved person in the world you cannot make it you cannot overcome god's plan see that's the thing lost folk don't want to admit they, they want to believe i got this or they want to believe me got me and the big man upstairs have a plan worked out he only has one plan Salvation through his son. Everything else is death and hell. He, they, they think they're going to override this thing. But the storm was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. I want you to know, the longer you hide from God, the longer you run away, the longer you resist doing what God tells you to do, it's not going to flatten. The storm's not going to flatten out. Well, I'll just ride this one out. I know God chastising me, but I'll just take it. I've had people tell me in my office, that I don't care what God does to me, I ain't changing. That's just people that don't believe how violent the sea can get. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord. Well, here's a flip. They cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. They're like, if this busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted man of God won't pray to his own Jesus, <laughs> look, we're going to cry out. And they said, oh, Lord. Don't make us die for this man's sins. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Listen, let me help some of y'all. Some of y'all lost. You know you're lost. You part-timing with some saved folk that's backslidden. You part-timing with some people who say they know the Lord, and, and, and you're just dragging along with them. You better throw them over. Because when God trying to rattle their cage, you're close enough to feel the thunder. You follow me? So they're like, hey, man, you, you did this storm on him. Don't kill us as a result of it. They should have done what the backslidden man of God told them to do. They should have already thrown him over. Listen, I'm trying to help some lost people in this morning. Don't run with part-time Christians. Because when the thunder comes from them, you're going to get caught in the lightning. Well, if I was unsaved, I wouldn't put myself around no part-time Christian. No way, no, mm -mm. no, not when, not when the, the judgment comes. I ain't trying to get caught up in nobody's judgment, not even my own. Verse 15, then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea. <laughs> and the storm stopped at once. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, some things the Bible doesn't say, but I believe it's inferred right here, at least in my mind. I know who they were praying to after that happened. I know who the God they were believing in after that. Because they already been to the God of the moon, the stars, the mountain, the billy goats. But what happened when they did what, 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 what they were supposed to do? Stopped. I bet the captain of the ship was checking from then on out. Let me see your ID, boy. Where are you from? We don't take no Hebrews on this boat. No. We, not, we, we don't run with part-time Christians on this boat. That's just a good word for lost folk. Verse 16, the sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. Look at it again. Now the Lord had arranged. There are no coincidences in God's kingdom. There's only providence. Provision is made for every choice you will choose for the rest of your life. See, you get to these places where we call them a fork in the road, a place of decision, where you can go this way or you can go that way. God's not up in heaven scratching his head wondering which way you're going to go. He already knows. And he's already got provision there for you. God knew this boy was running from him, trying to get to Tarshish. God knew that he was going to put that storm on them. God knew he was going to get tossed out into the water. And he had a fish waiting. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and nights. Now, some people are trying to tell you this is a metaphor, but it's not a metaphor. Jesus referenced this multiple times in the New Testament. He said even as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, the Son of Man would be belly of the earth for three days. There, there, there's a teaching here, uh, and, and Jonah's caught up in it. So he's in this fish for three days and three nights. Now, I'm going to read one more verse of Scripture, and we're going to be done. Chapter 2, verse 1, the very next Scripture after the one we just read, 17 was the end of chapter 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. Then, we've learned in Bible college, then comes when? Then is always after. Then is always after. So after this man ran from God, after he got all his buddies caught up in a storm, after they threw all their cargo away and all the stuff, so now they're just a bunch of broke dudes with nothing. Don't be running with part-time Christians. You get caught up in that. Then Jonah prayed. This, on first look, has to be the stupidest human being that ever lived. He did not pray in the storm. He's already, he already knows God is love, unfailing love, kindness, willing to be sympathetic and compassionate to people. If he would have prayed, they wouldn't have had to throw their goods away. If he would have prayed, their boat wouldn't get all beat up. If he would have prayed, he would not have got tossed over. If he would have prayed, he wouldn't be in the belly of a whale or big fish for three, three days. Now, I ain't the smartest guy in the world. I think I'd have prayed before three days and nights. We all want to think that about ourselves, right? Because we're like, oh, if a, if a big fish, I mean, they, do you know, you ever smell, hey, Doc, you ever smell deep guts, deep guts on the blood in an operating, the, the, the smell of the inside of anything is nasty, okay? So you're like, oh, he's in mm, seaweed wrapped around his neck, choking on salt water. You, they, they say that you can, you know, live for three days. You can only live for three days without water. Well, he ain't had, you can't drink salt water to dehydrate you. So this boy's almost dead now. Almost dead. And he finally did what? He finally prayed. Don't wait till you're almost dead till you finally pray. Don't wait until you've hurt everybody around you until you pray. Don't wait until the cost is so high. They never were going to get that stuff back. I'm going to take back what he stole from me as if it's the devil stealing all your stuff. God tossed all that over in your rebellion. This storm came from the Lord, and this boy didn't pray until then. You say, well, we're smarter than that, Pastor. We're not. I told you I like to believe I'm smarter than that. But once we get to our point where we've had enough and we ain't going to take no more, 
Once we get to our point where I ain't letting people step on me no more. I ain't going to be walked on no more. I ain't going to be backstabbed again. I ain't, and, and when we get to there, it may not manifest in a fish swallowing you up to where you're smelling stink. But if you open your eyes, you realize the world that you're in is stinking and dragging you down. You realize that the world you're in is problematic. So what can we learn from our scripture this morning? Title of the message, you can run, but you can't hide. You know God wants you to get right and do what he called you to do. Why are you running? Where are you going to run to? Not only that, but we need to understand that most people don't realize how much sin it's going to cost them until it's too late. He brought pain on people. He brought pain on himself because he wouldn't do the thing that God wanted him to do. See, if you're here and you're unsaved, you get a free pass. You get a free pass. God don't chastise you the same way he chastises his children because the Scripture says whom a father loves, he chastens. See, I spank my children. I don't spank your children. So if you're here and you're unsaved, you get a free pass from the chastisement of God. You just get to pay for all your sins in hell forever at the end. But if you're here and you're saved, you need to understand, disobedience comes with consequence. And not just for you, but to everybody around you. It's not just your life that you're wrecking when you run from the Lord. You're hurting other people. See, you want to believe that it's their sin that's creating hell in your life. It's not. Hear me good and I'm done. It's not. The unbeliever's sin is creating hell in your life. It's your own disobedience that's creating hell in your life. I believe it was Winston Churchill who said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Too many times people can find out, man, I just feel like I'm going through hell, but they just sit there and stay there. If everything's not how it ought to be, get up. If everything's not how it ought to be, recognize you got fault. And do the right thing. Last thing I want you to understand. When you run from God and you go to the world, no matter how much they act like they care about you and try to be in with you, eventually they're going to throw you out. They're going to throw you out. And they're going to leave you to fend for yourself. So it always comes down to the same thing. Whose side are you leaning on? Whose side are you on? If you say you're on the Lord's side, then get in it to win it. If you're not on the Lord's side and you don't want to get on the Lord's side, then realize you got an eternity in hell to pay. I'd encourage you to accept the love of God and walk in His way. So you avoid the storm, you avoid the struggle, you avoid the judgment. Why go through all that hassle? when you could just do what the Lord called you to do. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to make you come down this aisle and pray for some magical encounter with God. But if you know that you've been running, maybe not to this degree, but running in nonetheless, if you know you're not doing all that you're supposed to do, So, young people, you can easily find out. If you're not doing all that your mother and father are telling you to do, then you're running from their instruction. Even us as the children of God, we're running from his instruction. If you're not doing all that God told you to do, you need to repent. You need to have your then moment. See, after all that happened, then Jonah prayed. I would to God that you wouldn't wait so long to say yes to God. Until all your friends have been shipwrecked. Until they've lost their stuff. Just because God's trying to get your attention. I don't know what it is, but you need to answer the question this morning. You need to figure out, what, what is it that God is calling you to do that you think is so difficult? Because every time, He gives more than He takes. Every time, He gives the best and takes the less. Every time, He's better to us than we be to ourselves. Every time he's faithful, every time he's just, every time he's good, every time he's right. And the arguments that you make in your mind are 
are what's dragging you down into your storm. I hope you don't wait until it's too late to have your then moment. You can have your then moment today. If you're here and you're unsaved, the Bible says if you'll call on the Lord, He'll save you. If you're here and you are a Christian, that word applies still. If you call on God, He'll save you from your situation. Some of you have been running for too long. I hope that you'll say yes to God and watch God come through for you even the same way He came through for Jonah. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your love, your goodness. God, I pray for each person in the room this morning. Lord, I know in many ways we all run. Father, I pray you'd let then moments happen. From the front to the back of this sanctuary, God, I pray you'd let someone have a then moment. A moment where they can pray and realize that your way is better than our way. A moment where they can pray and realize that you're right and we're wrong. A moment where they can pray and realize that no matter how hard people try, we cannot overpower the storms that you send. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for always being faithful. Thank you for salvation in your son. Thank you for life. Thank you for your Bible that gives us instruction, Lord. I pray that you would help us leave this place today knowing that you are the God of the ocean and the God of the mountain, that you're the God of heaven and earth and all that there is. We choose to follow you, God. We choose to run to you and not from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at alcfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.